Good morning. It's great to have you here this morning. Uh, just a couple of announcements before I get started. One is next Sunday is the 4th of July, and we are having an addition to the other two services, Saturday night and, and our regular service. We also have an early service at 8 a.m., more of a patriotic service. It'll be at 8 o'clock in the morning. If you have somewhere to go, you know, your picnic starts at 12 or something like that, and you're like, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, now you know. Uh, come to that 8 o'clock service or encourage others or tell other people uh, that you know there will be an 8 o'clock service. There's no Sunday school next uh, Sunday, uh, but we will have that 8 o'clock service, and we'll have our 1045 service additionally. So, um, Additionally, and uh, I think more importantly, is uh, we had three people come to Christ this week through sharing the gospel. Oh, Praise the Lord, and uh, to Him be the glory. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's great, and, and perhaps we'll hear some testimonies of that uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, <clears throat> let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. It's a beautiful morning, and we thank you. Uh, for the love that you have poured out on us so richly. Uh, we thank you that we were able to corporately worship together through music and some beautiful songs, Lord, as, as you are transforming our lives and making them into something that you want them to be. And that, that is uh, wonderful for us to reflect on. And we pray now, Lord, that you would use your word in our life and in our hearts uh, to change us from the inside out. And uh, may we impact this world for Christ. Additionally, Lord, we pray for those who um, who lost loved ones in this uh, apartment building or condo uh, collapse, Lord. And it's such a, a tragic event. And uh, and so we just pray, pray that Christians would rise up all around there to support and come alongside families that have lost loved ones. And uh, we pray for the ongoing efforts of uh, first responders and others who are, um, are are trying to still maybe look for survivors, but additionally, Lord, uh, even recover individuals. And our, our hearts just break when we hear things like this. And so we just commit that situation to you. Uh, I pray also that it puts a sense of urgency in our hearts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, with individuals, Lord. None of us know when we lay our heads down at night, Lord, what will happen. And so we want to be ready to, re- to enter into your presence. We commit this to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, if you were blindfolded and you were brought into a building somewhere, would, would you know where you were? Maybe by sounds, but sometimes by smell. You know, if I took you up to the Seneca landfill, that's near us. And there's something called a a transfer station where we go sometimes and we dump stuff off the back of my truck. When I back in there, it's all sloshy and, oh, it's disgusting. But but there's there's a unique smell to that place. And when I go home from that place, I carry that aroma with me. Because it's on the bottom of my shoes. I can't get away from it. But there are other places, nice. I mean, if you went to the movie theater, you might smell that popcorn. You know, that's a wonderful aroma that kind of draws you in. Um, I remember when we, were, when we were young, and I don't know if anybody remembers this, but Sears, we used to call it Sears and Roebuck's, uh, you know, the place. They would, they would roast peanuts like 
not too far when you went into the front door and you would smell those roasted cashews and peanuts. You could get them in a hot in a little bag and it turned all greasy on the outside. But that smell was unique to that place. Like we, as soon as we walked in, we were like, oh, we're, we're there. We went to the one that was in, was in East Liberty, which back in the day we called Sliberty, you know, with the Pittsburghese. But there is something about being at a place and having that aroma and you kind of know where you were. Maybe when you were young, you were hanging out with the wrong crew and you came home and you smelled like smoke. Well, you carried that aroma home too. It's interesting to me that there's a formula in scripture for perfume. Did you, did you know that? Isn't that interesting? It's, it's found in, let me see, try to advance here. Here we go. Exodus chapter 30. Verses 34 through 38. You don't have to turn there. That's not our key text for today, but I wanted to read this. And this this recipe is from God himself. And it's not for us to mix up, but um, the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, uncha, galbanon, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of the powder and place it in front of the testimony in the tent of meetings. Where I will meet with you, it shall be most holy to you. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. Whoever makes it, makes anything like it to enjoy its fragrance must be cut off from his people. <laughs> so don't try this at home. I just want to remind you that. You won't be here next week for any of the services. So, But why did God do this? Why was there this formula designed to be used only in his presence. Well, I believe that God wanted Moses and any of the priests to be aware that they were approaching him in advance. I believe it was another way of God's holiness to permeate every aspect of his people's lives. And having met with God, not only would the, the people see that radiant glow on Moses' face, they could smell that he had been with God. Now, no longer is that perfume needed because the presence of God was brought to earth in Jesus Christ. And now we who are believers who carry Christ, we carry that aroma with us. And people know that we've been with God. We, they know that we carry that aroma of Christ. God is worshipped when we offer our lives as living sacrifices which are being transformed by renewed minds. Let me say that again. God is worshipped when we offer our lives as living sacrifices which are being transformed by renewed mind. God wants us, God wants to be worshiped. He wants us to be aware of His presence. 
He wants to permeate every aspect of our lives. And He wants others to know that we have been with Him. Worship is not a momentary event. It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship with God. The only one whom worship is due. And so we often talk, and you'll even see it at both times, sometimes we're going to have a time of worship on a Sunday morning, on a Saturday night. We talk about, oh, we had a really good time of worship prior to the message, or worship was good this morning, referring to the music only. But that's a mistake. Worship is so much more than that. It's supposed to be an ongoing state of the believer, and it's not contrived. And yes, corporate worship does occur when we gather together and we can sing together and we can lift our praises up to God. But it doesn't begin and end. Worship continues. Jesus himself said, those who worship should worship in spirit and in truth. And so as I continue to work our way through the book of Romans, I'm no longer doing a verse by verse, but picking sections of Romans for these second eight chapters, um, uh, 9 through 16. And uh, the Apostle Paul, writing to the the church in Rome, we already saw he skillfully and lawyer-like wrote this apologetic reasons why the Jews were to place their faith in Jesus Christ alone and not mix Christ and the law which was a mistake some were making. Some intentionally did that. The Judaizers were mixing the Jewish traditions with Christianity, telling uh, men that they had to be circumcised in order to have Christ. And, and he just cleared. And so the Apostle Paul, skillfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because this is the Word of God, he's writing to them, and he clears all that up. What the Gospel is, what it isn't, how to be empowered, uh, and chapter 8 such a powerful climax to all of that because it's by the Holy Spirit that we live and in His presence we enter. And so what great mercy God has poured out on us. It's not our works. It's not what we do. It's who we trust, who we place our faith in. And all of our sin is taken away. And so all of that mercy we receive as we get to this point, and it's interesting, as I was reading some commentaries on Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I was a little indignant. One of the commentators wrote, and I'm not going to mention his name because he's usually pretty accurate, but I thought it was a, a mistake in words. He said, Paul's advice to us is, I was like, Paul's advice? <laughs> he's, I almost blew a gasket, you know, and that happens sometimes, but Paul's advice, it's, it's, it's such an understatement. Yes, it was penned by Paul, but it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the Word of God, and so God's Word commands, I would say. God's Word admonishes us, and God's Word instructs us. He pleads with us, and that's what we lead up to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's such a beautiful portion of Scripture. You know it well. And so do not allow your familiarity with this portion of Scripture to to take it lightly. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm going to start from the center there, that spiritual act of worship, because that's the key point, and all of the surrounding verses uh, and words kind of support that main theme. How are we to display the ultimate form of worship? First of all, by presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. Presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. There have been jokes told about this, obviously. When you have a living sacrifice, sometimes it crawls off the altar. (laughs) That's not what this living sacrifice means. The concept of a living sacrifice is unique because... A sacrifice has always been killed and placed on the altar, but we are living sacrifices, which for the believer means that we will die daily. Jesus once said this, referring to those who are going to follow him, those who are going to be Christians. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. That's dying to yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And there's a reason that he said to take up your cross. It was a symbol of death. So we were to die to self daily and fulfill the will of the Father. Every day that we awake is a day that we will sacrifice our will for the Father's will. A sacrifice is giving up something for the betterment of someone else. In this case, our lives. Jesus sacrificed himself to please the Father. Now we sacrifice ourselves to please the Father. But just understand this. It's not for our sins that we sacrifice ourselves. Jesus did that thoroughly, completely. Scripture says in Hebrews over and over, once for all. And so when I'm referring to us dying to please the Father, it's a dying of self in, in, a, in a way... To, because we're following the example of Christ and we're just giving and yielding over to him his will for our our will. And so we become living sacrifices. Not once, but continually. We die to ourselves in order to fill, fulfill the will of the Father. I love where the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.31, I die daily. I die daily. It was not what Paul wanted that was important, but what God wanted. What does a living sacrifice look like from day to day? Well, perhaps it means you getting up earlier in the morning and spending time in God's Word. It's a sacrifice of sleep. I'm really tired. I don't know. I just want to wait to that last minute before I have to go to this appointment or go to work or go to anything, and we're just all the way up to the edge. But here, you're sacrificing. That's extra sleep you could have got. You're sacrificing what you might have wanted to do or what the flesh wants to do. Perhaps it means doing something that God has shown you to do. 
And if you're sitting here today and God has impressed something on your heart and you, you're just not doing it, well, you need, to, you need to sacrifice. Maybe it's forgiving somebody. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, we don't either. And that's God's grace. That's what grace is, right? Getting what we, we didn't deserve. And, and that's the same grace that we need to pour out on others. Perhaps it involves your attitude or your habits. Perhaps it involves you sacrificing your pride. And so you, you share the gospel. And what kind of sacrifice is that? Well, sometimes when you share the gospel with a coworker, a relative, a schoolmate, they think you're strange or you're weird or you're really confused or you're mindless. But that's okay because it's a sacrifice. That's what we're sacrificing. We sacrifice our egos. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he understood, by the way, what it meant to be a living sacrifice. And I love this portion of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9, and the first part of, of, of verse 10. He says, you know what it seems like? It seems to me that God has put the apostles on display at the end of the procession. You know what it meant to be put at the end of the procession? You were being, you were being marched in to the arena to be killed. He said, like men condemned to die in the arena, we have been made a spectacle before the whole universe to the angels as well as men. We are fools for Christ. The application for us is is to ask ourselves this question. What am I doing What sacrifice have I made for God? And again, I have to insert this. I'm not talking about earning salvation, but being a living sacrifice. This life of sacrifice should reoccur daily. It never ends. We want to be living sacrifices for the king. Secondly, Present your body not only as a living sacrifice, but a holy sacrifice. Holy means separated from sin unto God. And so you're not involved in any ongoing sin. Yes, we still sin, but there's this habitual sin if you're involved in you need to come away from and and be holy before the Lord. And you might say, oh, it's so hard for me. You don't understand. My situation is unique. I have this thorn in the flesh And I'm the exception. No one is going through what I'm going through. Well, oh, really? God's word says no temptation has seized you except what that is, which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with the temptation, he will provide a way out. And that's a way of escape. It's an escape route so that you can stand up under it. And so that word literally means to an exit. An exit comes by denying yourself. I don't want to, I'm not going to go down this road to temptation. I'm going to take the exit <laughs> that God is providing. Be holy by taking the exit in the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, what honor does a sacrifice have if it's not holy? 
What testimony does a life have if you say, if you say, I'm willing to die, but you're not willing to live for somebody? A sacrificial lamb had to be unblemished, the perfect lamb to be pleasing to God. We are called to be holy. Separate yourself from sinfulness. And so that comes as a way of application for us to die to pleasing your sinful self. There's only two kinds of sacrifices, acceptable and unacceptable. (laughs) And to be acceptable, if you're a living sacrifice, you are dying to self and you are holy apart from sin. And you want to serve God. That's acceptable. Unacceptable is somebody living just for themselves and they are just drenched in sin. So this is our spiritual form of acceptable worship. And it doesn't just begin and end on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night service. It doesn't only come during Christian concerts. It happens long before that. And it's wrong to say, well, worship was great today. And if if you're only referring to the music portion, that's a wonderful corporate worship opportunity, and we should enter in that. But that comes as an expression of our ongoing worship privately as believers also. True worship happens in the heart. And again, there is nothing wrong with deeper moments of corporate worship in that experience, but only as a byproduct of a of our ongoing worship of God, and we're ongoingly worshiping God by presenting ourselves as living and holy sacrifices. We should present ourselves this way. And that is the ultimate form of worship. Thirdly, we are not to be conformed to this world. Ever since Adam's sin, there's been a corruption to the human race. There's a defect in us that causes us to automatically default to sin. We automatically migrate towards evil. We are not naturally good. You don't have to teach children to sin. Many of you know who have children. We are simply, uh, we are not simply byproducts of our environment. Absolutely not. And it's much deeper than that. I appreciated when the Apostle Paul wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do good. I just can't seem to carry it out. Sin is natural. Holiness is not. Holiness is is supernatural. Our flesh constantly wants to conform to the sinful world around us. And I just have to insert this right now because the church in the U.S. is in grave danger because of conformity. And it's like taking an ice cube and placing it in a pail of water and hoping that ice cube stays whole. It's not going to. It's going to become like the liquid water around it, the solid frozen water will eventually become part of the liquid if we do nothing. 
There was a man named Lot in Scripture who chose to put his family in a, across from a city that was full of sin. It wasn't long before they all grew accustomed to the sin. Scripture says not to conform. But if we do nothing not to conform, guess what? We will conform. And so some applications, it's just ways for us to resist the conformity. And one way is to stay connected with other believers. Stay connected with other believers. I know over the years, sometimes people say, well, I'm going to take a break from church. I just, so were you going to go to another church? No, we're just going to just kind of take a break. We need a break. Take a break for weeks, months. I mean, it's not, it's not, the, it's not like they're going to another church. It'd be, Wonderful if they go to another church and they're entering, if the Lord is leading them in that direction. But if you just give up fellowship with other believers, it's, you're migrating into the world and you see those people three, four, five months later and it's, everything, everything else is important to them except what the Lord wants them to do. It becomes self-centered and it's all a different set of priorities begin to take over. You want to stay in God's Word. You say in God's word, you don't conform because as we learned in Sunday school today, there's, there's instruction, there's wisdom in God's word that leads you in a different direction. But that is foolishness to the world, but it's not to us. You want to spend time not just praying, but, but spend some time listening in prayer. That'll help you not to be conformed to the world. And then finally, you might want to turn social or TV media off for a while. I would say, let me encourage you at least, I know some of you just, you're like, oh, there's no way to do this. Uh, i got to stay connected. But can you minimize it at all? Can you somehow back off that? Because if not, you just get all these feeds from other information and it's drawing you in to be conformed. And you just, you just need to hold it at arm's distance and say, no, I don't want to be that consumed with other people's thinking. I need to, I need to back away from it. Okay. You don't want to be, you don't want to conform to this world, but you want to be transformed. Scripture says to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You see, it's a it's a process. And so how does one uh, renew his mind, her mind? You know, it's by filling your mind with new stuff, new information, accurate information, God's information. And I just want to give you, um, in, in pretty quick order, seven ways to fill your mind with, with new information so that you can be renewed and you can be transformed, and thereby you will begin to look different. You'll begin to talk different. You'll begin to think different. I'm sure you've heard sermons on this portion of Scripture, and the Greek word there is metamorpho, which we get the word metamorphos, where you have that caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. You know That, that transformation process of metamorphosis is just remarkable. So much so that you, you don't even know the two are related later. And it's not like years later you see the same caterpillar. <laughs> you know, it's almost that assumption that this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And God wants 
your life to be transformed. And so, as a way of application, you want, first of all, if, you, if any transformation is to happen in an individual, it has to start here. The person has to become a Christian for transformation to take place. The Holy Spirit will give you understanding. If you have Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot, it doesn't say he might not, it says, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned or spiritually appraised. There's no way to be transformed. There's no way for you to know what you even need to do if you're not a believer. You just... You're just conforming like everybody else. But to be transformed, something has to happen. I know that happened in me. My whole world changed. I was heading down one direction, and I was like, I came to Christ, and it's like, why was I even thinking these things? It's remarkable. Secondly, as a believer then, allow godly people to influence your mind. You know, God uses other Christians in our lives mature Christians to teach and encourage us, just like the Apostle Paul poured into the life of Timothy, considering him almost a spiritual son. He's like, he called him son, in fact. He wasn't his biological father or anything, but he said this in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You then, my son, and he encourages him, he said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And not only, and don't, and don't stop there, Timothy. The things that you he- heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, go ahead and encourage others. Entrust them to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. You see, he wants the process to continue. This wonderful process And this wonderful opportunity of pouring your life into somebody else, don't stop there. Pour your life into somebody else. Prayer also is a way to renew our minds. Because we're seeking God's wisdom on any issue. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what happens? There's a transformation. You go from fear to what? The peace. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer changes us. It proves that we are no longer self-dependent. We are Christ-dependent. And by the way, we can, as the Holy Spirit reveals things that need to change in your life, what better way to see them change than to go to God and say, I give up. Um, I need your help because I keep falling in the same sin. Would you change me? That is a prayer that God answers every time. If you... If you're sincere, he will change you. And it's through prayer. And it's wonderful for you to solicit the prayer of others. Hey, particularly ones, people that you can trust with that kind of prayer, 
you know, would you pray, a spouse maybe, or a small group, hey, would you pray for me in this area? The reading of God's word. This is remarkable. This is, this is transforming. You know, when I came to faith in Christ, I, I had a previous religious experience that wasn't healthy. But it wasn't like the person I was, that was discipling me was telling me all these things that I was doing wrong. No. What did I do? I began to read the word. And I came across portions of scripture would say, um, do not use meaningless repetition in prayer. Meaningless repetition. <laughs> and I knew what that meant in my life. And I had to come away from meaningless repetition. And over and over again, I began to discover <laughs> in God's word what I was doing wrong and what I needed to change in my life, the superstitions that I carried with me. And so no one literally had to tell me as I spent time in, in the word. So there is power in the word of God, and it is transformative. Uh, you are not the same. And I need this every morning. You can ask my wife. I don't even, I don't, I don't want to talk about anything until I talk to the Lord. I was like, cause I'm goofy and I'll say the wrong thing. It's just, just let me get to my Bible and let me get before the Lord cause I need to have the right perspective on the day. I need to seek Him in His Word. I need to spend some time in prayer and then I feel like I can address the issues of my life. If not, it's, it's all me. And then we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised a helper. And what a helper he is. <laughs> and um, he's not a little helper. He's not like my little helper. You know, he's sitting on my shoulder. No, he's, he's the one that takes control. He helps me transform. There is something different about a person who's just plodding along and someone who is spirit-filled. Jesus said this, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So those things that we come across scripture, it's like really good, but we forget them like momentarily. <laughs> uh, they're, they're gone already. But the Holy Spirit brings those things to mind over and over again. And he's providing not only the reminder, but the power to accomplish God's will. He is a counselor. He is a teacher. He's a reminder. Anybody need a reminder? <laughs> I do, like daily, momentarily. I need this reminder. Dan, that's not, that's not for you. That's not the direction you want to go in. Here's where I'm sending you. Here's where I want you to go. And there's something beautiful about having that spirit-controlled life, spirit-directed life. Put your faith in action. Put your faith in action. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That sounds like a basic statement, but it's anything but. Because we, we all know we have resistance to doing what we know to do is the right thing. And so our faith, as we use it, as we use it, 
we're transforming. We are, it's like a muscle that you need to use over and over again. Did you ever like not see somebody for a few years? They might have lost a hundred pounds. Maybe they've been working out at the gym and you walk and you say, who in the world is that? And they walk up and you say, oh, Carl, it's you. Yeah, I had to lose some weight. I get shit like, what are you, what have you been doing? Well, I've been exercising, bike riding, hiking. That's remarkable. You don't look like the same person. There's a transformation. The same thing happens spiritually to those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, those who begin to trust Him with the daily events of our lives. And it's like, the Lord gives you this. He said, oh man, I just went through this and now I have another issue in my life. And then this other issue, while that was going with through that, this, this happened. But see, through all of those situations, you are trusting God, trusting God, trusting God. Over the years, you exercise that muscle of faith over and over again. And so people begin to recognize. Last time you, last time I saw you, you were a nervous wreck. You just seemed so peaceful. Yeah, I, I basically just gave it all to the Lord. And, uh, He's really changed me. There's a transformation. That's remarkable. You lay your head on a pillow at night, you can actually fall asleep instead of staring at the ceiling or watching a moth die in a lamp. Um, and then express true worship of God. There's something transformative about entering into worship, no matter where you're at. And I mean that, no matter where you're at. And this is especially difficult for us men, right? Um, Jesus said to the woman at the well, God is spirit, so we, anyone who worships him must worship in spirit and in truth. There's those opportunities to worship. And by the way, and I'm, I'm encouraging, especially us men, because we, we tend to be allergic to worship for some reason. And, uh, and I say that some of you, I know, are deeply um, enjoying worship opportunities with, with the Lord. And it could be anywhere. Listening to music is one way. I mean, there is something about listening to good Christian music. And when I say good, you pick the genre. You know, I, whatever one you like. I know when I was in college and I was a new Christian, for the first time that spring I became a Christian before I went home, um, the guy who led me to Christ said, hey, by the way, listen to Christian music. It'll help you through the summer because I know it, you said going into your time, there's not a lot of Christians and you don't know anybody who's a believer. And So I went to Kmart and Shaler and I bought an album. Uh, it was the Oak Ridge Boys. And because uh, I didn't know anything about Christian. I said, it, it was like. I mean, they all had matching white socks and they had the, 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 you know, the tuxedos and it was, and it was nice. I was like, hey, this is really hard for me to get into though. And so I get back to, I get back to school and I'm talking to then girlfriend, now wife, Linda. And she's like, oh, that is nothing. Here's some, let me give you my album. She pulls out all these like rock, uh, Christian rock stuff. You know, here's Randy Matthews. Here's Phil Keggy. Um, you know, all these other, Amy Grant, other, you know, here you go, start listening to, this is, this is the good stuff. And, uh, anyhow, I know that's, I'm off on a tangent there, but, but she was right. You listen to some music that you like, and it, again, if, if, if you don't like some, there's other, but there's a lot of solid, great lyrics, Christian music that will remind you to, to trust the Lord. And so you can enter into worship through music and the truck 
in a car, at your home, wherever you want to enter into that music. I think being among God's creation, you know, just going up to McConnell's Mills or Moraine or somewhere in the area, many of you are hiking and fishing and hunting and doing it while you're out there. Enter in because there's there's nothing more beautiful than just to just to sit in God's presence and His creation. And by the way, don't start worshiping the creation. <laughs> Worship the Creator. And there's and it's just wonderful to get away from all the noise. Shut your cell phone off. Go to some place where there's no cell reception. It's just wonderful to enter in. And while you're entering into worship, guess what? Worship itself is transformative. It renews your mind. Oh, I needed that. I don't know. Hopefully the Hughes's, you just got back from the beach, right? Hopefully you had some opportunity just to see those waves coming in one after another and just think, oh, the faithfulness of God. And, you know, it's just wonderful to have those kind of opportunities. Men and women, if we do nothing to renew our minds, we're just going to follow like everybody else in the world, like lemmings going right off the cliff and just, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, just just stay in line and keep going. And we're going to conform if we don't transform. That's how those two things are related. That's why one follows the other. Be conformed and not transformed because, excuse me, be, do not be conformed, but be transformed. And so, in order to be transformed, you have to stop being conformed. Those two are just opposite of one another. And so we are to be living in holy sacrifices, not conforming to this world, but being transformed by having our minds renewed. And then we can experience the ultimate in worship. We will be living lives that worship God. And people will know that you've been with God. You'll have that aroma of Christ in you. And everywhere you go, people will just recognize there's something different about you. And so as you enter a room, you bring that aroma. I've just been with the Lord. And they're just like, wow, there is something different about you. And I want what you have. People will know that you've been with God. Not only will we radiate with his glory, we will give off aroma of perfume that is God's alone. And that's the point. It's all about him. God is worshipped when we offer our lives as living sacrifices which are being transformed by a renewed mind. Renew your minds this week, would you? Spend time with the Lord. Lord, may we be transformed. We ask, Lord, that even today you would renew our minds, reveal your will to us, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. We want it to be evident to all around us that we have been with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.